This is a publication for both the Inserto and the Simtolab podcast, as well as the Geopolitics and Power podcast. In case you haven't heard of it, that's just uh, one of the new podcast ventures that I'm trying uh, my hand at. You'll find a link to that in the description. So jump over there and, you know, give it a whirl. Maybe it's not for you, but, you know, maybe it is. Who knows? Also, I'm doing a bunch of interviews on my interview podcast, What About When? That's also in the description. Today, we're going to talk about Alexei Navalny and how he is currently signaling the epitome of skin in the game. The last six months of this man's life is beyond impressive. So I'm going to just talk a little bit about who he is how he is the absolute proponent of skin in the game. And ironically enough, how skin in the game might be the actual thing that ends up triumphing his cause. And that will make more sense as we go through it. Before we start, I just want to urge you to pump your good juice into the algorithm. Okay, so get down in there, give it a little give it a little five-star rating, maybe a maybe a review if you are so bold. It does wonders for the algorithm and you just want to put your energy into the algorithm in support of the Insert on the podcast or the Geopolitics and Power podcast or the What About When podcast. I had on recently Michael Yaus, the CEO of Vestigard, quite possibly one of the most amazing companies in the world. I'll just say it very briefly, they have so far made over 800 million malaria nets. Okay. Quite possibly one of the most amazing companies in the world. And um, on Monday, I'm going to record with Tim Marshall, author of Prisoners of Geography. Exciting stuff is happening. And I'm really keen to talk about Alexei Navalny because his story over the last couple of months has just been so outrageously impressive. Imagine the balls on this man. Okay. So last August, he was he fell ill on a domestic flight. Uh, this is in Russia. The illness was in fact so bad that poisoning was immediately suspected. And so out of sort of fear and safety, he was transported to a Berlin hospital. Uh, it was later confirmed that he was poisoned. It was by the, by the Novichok poison. And this is a bit of a favorite of the Kremlin. Back in 2018, a couple of Russian dissidents were... Uh, poisoned in the UK uh, with the with the Novichok, but in straight out of the classic Russian disinformation playbook, they have some somehow managed to not convince me, but convince a lot of people that they had absolutely nothing to do with this, and this is just a wild coincidence. And of course, they would never uh, poison a, a, a someone in the political opposition because that's also an interesting point to make. He is Navalny is legitimately on the political opposition. There's a lot of sort of fake puppeteered propagandid oppositions that uh, you know Russia today and the Kremlin sort of put up to give the farce of two sides of an argument and the farce of a democracy. But nonetheless, Navalny recovered from this uh, poison and was left in quite a sticky situation, right? Because he is a man who has so far throughout his career signaled taken a lot of risks in public and therefore been rewarded with credibility and authenticity. So much so that he rose to the point where he was considered a legitimate threat to the Kremlin and therefore uh, an attempted assassination on his life was made. So Navalny and his family are sitting here in a Berlin and, you know, weighing up the options because Navalny has, a at this point, he has a very clear route to 
living the life of a Russian dissident like so many of so many of his ex-comrades have gone before. I'm not sure if you've heard of Mikhail Khodorkovsky. This is a really, really, really interesting man. There's a great uh, movie made about him, the title of which has totally escaped me for now. But he was one of these big Russian oil barons um, in the 90s when Russia went from all state-owned enterprises to public enterprises. He... He saw huge opportunities in that. I think he opened up the first bank in Russia, um, or at least the first modern bank. He was in charge of one of the uh, largest oil companies of Russia. And then um, in a pretty savage turn of events, all which were puppeteered by Vladimir Putin, uh, Khodorkovsky sort of lost it all, went to prison for a long time, and now lives as another one of these Russian dissidents in in London. And so Navalny's sitting there, and he's seen this playbook happen many times before him. You know, attempted assassination, threat of assassination, a threat of prison time, um, threat to the family. And he's sitting in Germany thinking, all right, well, it would be terribly sad, but maybe I, for the sake of my, my life and for the sake of my family's lives, Maybe I don't return to Russia. Maybe I just continue my maybe I continue my opposition to the Kremlin from abroad. Okay, so that's the safe route. That's also the easy route, but that's also the sensible route. Now this is where the the wavos, the cojones, the balls of this man really come into into frame. Because that's the route that most sensible people would make. But such is the credibility, such is the authenticity, such is the amount of skin in the game that Alexei that Alexei Navalny is willing to take, he instead says, no, I will not become another one of these uh, Russian dissidents uh, uh, criticizing the Kremlin from abroad because such is the, the nature of the Kremlin, such is the nature of Russia today and such is the nature of Russia, the internal propaganda can can tune out the signal of Western criticism. Okay, so... Internally within Russia, in the domestic media scene, the Kremlin can create enough noise to make sure that the signal coming from the outside never actually seeps in. And so Navalny knows this. Of course, Navalny knows this. You know, he's, uh, he's a Russian politician. He understands this game just as well as the best of them. He is one of the best of them. And so he goes, no, I've seen it happen before. And I know that my campaign and the policies that I stand for and the anti-corruption Vladimir Putin stance that I stand for will not have legs. It will die if I continue this fight from abroad. So he says, fuck it, I'm going home. And it is in that move of him returning to Russia in the face of farcical criminal charges and a continued threat of assassination and assassination on his family he still steps into Russia because Russia is his home. And the Russians are a peculiar culture. I think um, things might have changed a little bit from the 40s and 50s from when this quote was taken. But Winston Churchill said about Russia that there is nothing they admire so much as strength and there is nothing for which they have less respect for than weakness. And so Russians inherently could potentially place more emphasis on someone who does have skin in the game than potentially other countries might place on them or other cultures might place on it. And so for Navalny to return in the face of the huge threats that he faces, the Russians view that as an enormous power. No, as an enormous signal of strength, potentially more strength than that which Vladimir Putin 
might have himself because that has also been part of the internal propaganda over the last you know 10 15 years however long putin's been in charge for is convincing russia that putin is the most powerful um figurehead on the world stage and it is because of putin's power negotiation and putin's power of influence that russia does so well and it's just your you know, classic authoritarian um propaganda messages but nonetheless navalny coming home navalny stepping into russia to face the music is the ultimate signal of power and therefore the ultimate signal of skin in the game because skin in the game you signal by taking risk and then credibility is gained by then owning your risk taking risks in public okay and the larger the risk the larger the downside but also the larger risk the larger the upside navalny owns his risk and it is a huge and therefore, it, is a, it, it correlates to a massive show of power. And Navalny knows this. He could have just been another Russian yelling about Putin from the comfort of a Kensington apartment in London. But Navalny is willing to die on his shield for his cause. It is the essence of skin in the game. For this, Navalny yields enormous credibility and through his bravery empowers thousands of people to support his message as well. Those very same people who might have otherwise been weaned back onto the Russian today teat. So what... Navalny does by coming back into Russia is he also emboldens and empowers thousands, potentially millions of people who before thought they didn't have a powerful figure that they could stand behind. But this ultimate show of power from Navalny has emboldened them. So here's a little bit of a tangent about the Spartans. And any of you who have read Skin in the Game before or watched any of my uh, or have listened to my old podcast on summarizing Skin in the Game know this anecdote, but it's just a fantastic little anecdote that I wanted to bring out because the Spartan mother quote here does sort of uh, signal the trajectory that Navalny seems to have um, orientated himself down. So Spartan mothers, I mean, we know Sparta are sort of... the, The Spartan culture was so incredible that despite the fact that they were this tiny, 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 tiny population... Um, in the context of history, they have managed to still remain relevant where thousands of other cultures have completely uh, died away into the pages of history books. We still know about the Spartan culture. People make movies about the Spartan culture. People make references to the Spartan culture because they sort of signaled they, they signaled to, to kind of lost valleys in the modern culture, such as bravery, aesthetics and hyper traditional masculinity and femininity um, and So therefore, the Spartans are kind of remembered for these things. And Spartan mothers would infamously send their sons off as they left for war with the following message. Something which Nassim Taleb makes a big deal of in Skin of the Game. In reference to the warrior's shield, the mother would say to her son, you return with it or on it. For her son to return without his shield meant that he dropped it in retreat. And that is worse than having died. This is skin of the game. It's a question of honor. It's a question of pride. It's the ultimate question of authenticity and credibility. Who are you if you do not act as you say? Who is Navalny if he does not act as he says? He might be much like Mikhail Khodorkovsky or many of these other Russian dissidents that have gone before him. They are not willing to take the ultimate risk to return to Russia and then face the opposition at home.
Now, myself, I don't think I'd have this kind of bravery. Most of us don't have this kind of bravery. But Navalny has exceptional testicles. He has massive balls. And it's an amazing thing that he's doing. Because Navalny is acting as he is saying, which in regular circumstances doesn't even warrant a pat on the back. But against the opposition Navalny faces, for him to act out what he stands for deserves a thunderous round of applause. For I am afraid the ultimate trajectory that Navalny has now orientated himself down will likely end in defeat. And that is because he has taken an exceptional risk. However, such is the dichotomy of risk-taking that with exceptional risk becomes the small potential of exceptional reward. So Navalny will either defeat the enemy. He will either defeat Putin and the Kremlin and then return home with his shield or he will die fighting on it. This is skin in the game. The ironic side to all of this is that Navalny's brazen return to Russia has doubled down whatever enormous amount of credibility he already had. And if we return to Churchill's quote um, and think about Nassim Taleb's skin in the game, the link between credibility, authenticity, and power are very close. And the more authenticity, the more credibility, the more power Navalny can be elevated to within the eyes of the Russian domestic culture, the better chance he has to defeat the Kremlin and to defeat the internal propaganda and to defeat Vladimir Putin. And to be clear, defeat doesn't mean assassination or war or anything like this. It simply means convincing the Russian people that there is a much, much, much better alternative to Vladimir Putin and they don't have to rely on him for their sovereignty and for their well-being. I just heard a great little side quote from The Economist. I was listening to a, a podcast they put out and he said that the the mood has sort of shifted in Russia where people no longer had to justify why they didn't support Vladimir Putin to now they have to justify why they do support Vladimir Putin. Now, this is a huge shift. And if Navalny can ride the, sh- the, the, the forceful shift of this wave, who knows what can happen? But this is the this is the ironic thing to it all. You know, we are just playthings for the gods. This ironic take is for their amusement. Our drama is their theater. You signal by taking risk and you gain credibility by taking risks in public. The more authenticity and credibility you have, the more power your effect, the more power and effect your actions can have. Navalny is standing in legitimate opposition to one of the most corrupt political leaders in the world. There is very obvious precedent for what happens to people like Navalny, and yet he persists nonetheless. Navalny's attempted assassination brought attention to him. Navalny's return to Russia has galvanized millions outside of the country uh, to his side, and then even potentially millions internally as well. So the ironic part of this is that him signaling such an amount of skin in the game could actually be the step he needed to make to ultimately win. Imagine if he was never poisoned. Imagine if 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 this huge international scandal never happened. He might not have gotten the support and the uh, attention that he needed to sort of galvanize the public. It's this it's this sort of beautiful irony that plays undertone to all of this. Thousands are marching against Putin with Navalny. But unlike the staged oppositions Russians have been become desensitized to, these protests carry a legitimate threat. Navalny's ownership of such extreme risk might end up yielding such extreme reward. Time can only tell these things, but for us we can firmly state that Alexei Navalny is the epitome of what it is to have skin in the game. Alright folks, the Geopolitics and Power podcast, check it out. 
What About When, my interview podcast. If we're talking about guests that I've had so far, James Dowling, one of the internet's biggest um, uh, names when it comes to Jungian analysis. Colin Wright runs one of the biggest travel uh, and lifestyle blogs on the internet, XR Lifestyle. Michael Yaus, the CEO of one of the most amazing companies in the world, Vestigard. We've got Tim Marshall coming on. Uh, there's talks of some massive YouTubers and political figures coming on as well. It's going to be an exciting space. So go over to these podcasts, just subscribe to them, please. Because you look at my analytics, about 50% of the people who listen to an episode are subscribed. And it seems to be that this is kind of part and parcel. It's sort of how it works. Now, I get that you might have just tuned in for one episode, say. Maybe you looked up the barbell strategy and you thought, all right, that's good. I'm done. I'm out. Subscribe to the podcast. You will then see what comes forward. And the thing about subscribing, it doesn't cost you a dime. You just press a little button and it means you'll have one extra thumbnail come up when you reload your podcast app. So we're talking really low cost of acquisition. Just just subscribe. And if you don't like what you see after a while, then fucking get rid of it. But my hope is that you will like what you see. And the thing with, you know, just help out this little content creator over here, because the thing is the hardest part of this entire journey is discovery. It's a pleasure for me to make these uh, audios. It's a pleasure for me to write these things. And, you know, none of it has any sort of commercial value to it anyway. I mean, that doesn't happen for years or until you have hundreds of thousands of uh, subscribers and listens and all this sort of shit. I don't give a fuck about any of that. I'm making money elsewhere. This is something that I really like to do, but I also don't want to half-ass things. I want it to be as big and as good as possible as it can be. So nonetheless, a lot of preamble, pump your good juice into the algorithm for me. Thank you very much. I really hope you enjoyed it and give me some critical feedback as well. Perhaps I got this whole take wrong. Who the fuck knows? Please let me know. Thank you very much. You're all legends. Pump your good juice into the algorithm. Ciao.